Leading Edge Medicine provides only general medical information. Since everyone's individual situation is unique, you should consult your own physician before taking any action related to your personal health. All content of this program is intended for general informational purposes only. Good morning and welcome to Leading Edge Medicine with Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat. Leading Edge Medicine is sponsored by Longevity Medical Clinics and is devoted to helping you feel and function better tomorrow than you do today by providing the newest and most advanced medical care designed to improve both your body and your brain. Leading Edge Medicine will keep you informed regarding the very latest developments in science and medicine while highlighting some of the Northwest's most prominent physicians, all while helping you separate the science from the silly and the facts from the fiction. This is live call-in radio at its very best, giving you the opportunity to participate in the show. Now, here are your hosts for Leading Edge Medicine, Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat, along with their co-host, Lynette Morgan. Actually, not Lynette this week. Mark Holland filling in for Lynette. Uh, still, though, Leading Edge Medicine brought to you by Longevity Medical Clinics. Dr. Jerry Mixon, Dr. Samira Umet are standing ready to deliver. You guys like to stand when you're on the radio. <laughs> I don't like to. I can't sit all that long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're well, going to be on the air for a while. Okay. <laughs> Part of it is personality. I'm not a sitting person. <laughs> and But the other is, you know, that's one of my old injuries. That, you know, I had oh. that, that round that skimmed down my back and blew off about half the right side of my oh. butt. Oh. <laughs> And so there's a there's a large hole there that I usually wear my wallet in, but what'll happen? Is, well, it evens out the defect, yeah. you know. But if I sit too long, the leg goes numb mm. because there's less muscle over the nerve. Right. <laughs> so my standing is not so much a virtue; it's defensive against getting a numb leg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, hey, we want to hear from you this morning, your calls, uh, any kind of medical question. Uh, I think, Dr. Mixon, you'd probably take on just any kind of question almost. He just does. about. I, yeah. <laughs> now, sometimes the only honest answer I give is, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Talk me Where that. Where the hell did I you come know. up with that one? I used to be petrified of coming <clears throat> on radio because mm. there's so much I don't know. And he said, well, be honest and say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with not knowing. That's good. But what you should always follow it with is, but I'll look it up. Call me back next week. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, that number to call is toll-free, 800-465-8770. And we need to hear from people this morning. We're, we're waiting for your calls. But in the meantime, you've done a lot of traveling, I hear. Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you done with traveling for a bit now? <clears throat> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm done with traveling for a while. Uh, you know, I, I, I took an almost three-week vacation, a 20-day 20, 20 vacation with my family through Europe. So we went to Amsterdam and Prague, mm. you know, and then down to Austria and kicked around. But then we got back. I was home for two days and got mm-hmm. back on an airplane mm-hmm. <laughs> and went to Albany, New York. And I spent the last week, just got home last night again, um, doing a 90-minute TV special for public TV. Wow. And, How'd you, uh, how come you had to go to New York to film that? We were wondering, because we have PBS stations in We have in PBS stations here, but apparently the, the, the team I was working with, mm. um, they're from the East Coast. Oh. Uh, they, the, the, the primary script writer is from uh, New Hampshire, and then the, the director guy is from Massachusetts, and then another big m- member of the team is in in uh, Tampa, Florida. Wow. And so they like a, there, there's a station in Albany 
that they like to work with. And it was a beautiful team. They've got a gorgeous set of studios and control rooms and really a professional, high-quality team. So I was, I was clearly the amateur mm. in that bunch. But they, they shepherded me through it. They, you know, they, they used a great combination of reassurance, flattery, and uh, <laughs> criticism <laughs> to put it all together. Okay. When are we going to see these TV specials then? Uh, it, it, it starts to play right after Thanksgiving break, I guess, early December. Okay. We, we put this together for their, their December pledge drive where public TV is trying to raise money. Mm-hmm. And uh, subject matter will be similar to longevity. Subject matter is longevity medicine, and you know what what can be done, why it needs to be done. So it's mm-hmm. it's basically an intro into what we do and why we do it. And mm-hmm. and then one of the things we give away as a premium if they donate to public TV is uh, is my book that I've just finishing up that book. Great. And uh, in fact, I, I thought it was done, and I got it off to the editors. Um, and then over the course of the last week, uh, as I'm doing this show, I'm thinking of, well, you know, I, I ought to add something about this and I ought to add something. So I've got about two more chapters now that <laughs> this, this book that I thought was finished, I think I've got about two more chapters I'm going to add to it here over the next week or two. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Well, that's great. You know, medicine is evolving and we're evolving with it. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. The problem, of course, is if I keep adding things as I think of them, the book will never get finished. And it'll well, be, you know, four. 4,000 pages long. No, no. So, <laughs> People won't read that much. You know that. I know. I'm, so I'm, I'm trying to keep it down between about 250 and 300 pages right. in, in that range. Right. Remember introduction. <laughs> yes. That's right. And it will be just called what? Longevity Medicine? Or uh, you know what the name of the book is going to be? Yeah. Lifelong. Lifelong. Long, lifelong. Stronger, faster, leaner, smarter, sexier at any age okay. is the subtitle. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that I mean, should... it makes sense, right? That's yeah. been uh, our motto forever and a day. Motto. So I, I plan to roll yeah. the book out coincident with the TV show. Mm-hmm. So it'll all come out uh, early December together. Okay, well, look forward great, to right? that. Looking yeah. forward to calls today on Leading Edge Medicine. 800-465-8770 is the number to call. Already got a couple of people on the line. Let's go to Ron in Tukwila talking, uh, wants to talk about prostate health. Ron, good morning. Good morning, Ron. Uh, good Good morning, guys. Uh, I got a question for you, Dr. Mixon. Uh, I'm an 80-year-old man, very active, healthy, Six two hundred and fifty. I am BRCA two positive. I do carry that gene okay. mutation, right. and so I've had a, a PMSA PET scan, which was negative. Right. I've had a multiparametric MRI, which was a PIRAD three. I had a bio, eighteen core biopsy, which showed a tiny, tiny bit of malignancy in only one core. Okay. So they've elected to put me on active surveillance. But considering Good. my BRCA2 positive mutation, I know that uh, uh, it's a little different situation than it is. for most men. So my question is, and I, I have been putting uh, uh, testosterone cream on for about a year mm-hmm. along with the progesterone. I Good. quit doing that the minute I got the positive biopsy. But uh, I'm wondering what in the area of supplements might you add or might you not use uh, if you were a guy in my situation? Okay. First of all, it should not be necessary to stop the testosterone. 
All right. As long as you're using it with the progesterone. Um, the the chain or the lack of progesterone results in the estrogen alpha receptors in your prostate in trying to immortalize, immortalize the prostate cells. That's one of the reasons we, that we believe prostate cancer develops in older men is the low progesterone allows the alpha estrogen receptors to try and immortalize the prostate cells. Um, it would appear that prostate cancer is a threshold hormone-sensitive disease. Uh, there's a level, if you, if you castrate a man surgically or chemically and suppress his testosterone completely, two things will happen. One, an androgen-sensitive tumor, which is the vast majority of, of initial prostate cancers, will slow its growth or almost stop. Uh, and, and so that, that helps. But if you keep him suppressed... Uh, at some point, that, that tumor has a high probability of converting to an androgen insensitive tumor. And those androgen insensitive tumors, the one that don't need testosterone to grow, are the ones that grow the fastest and tend to kill people. Mm -hmm. okay, so there's a plus and a minus to that. Mm -hmm. the, the, the androgen sensitive ones, the ones that do respond to testosterone, um, any testosterone in your system, including your native amounts without supplementation, are enough to trigger the growth. And once that you cross that threshold, it doesn't seem to matter how much additional you have. Okay, so you cross a threshold. Let's say you've got uh, a, a free testosterone of forty or fifty. That's enough for the tumor to grow, and it doesn't matter whether it's fifty or one hundred and fifty. You get the same amount of stimulation of the tumor. That's, you know, that's the good and bad. Um, you're right. I, I understand why they put you on active surveillance, because statistically, in a, a six or seven, Gleason six or seven tumor, which is yours would certainly be, and probably a Gleason six, actually, right. It is six, yes. Yeah. So it, with a Gleason six, uh, six tumor, your your risk of this tumor ever spreading and killing you would be less than 6%. So 94% of the time. Well, we be, no, yeah. no, yeah, no, yeah, no. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Let me finish it, okay? So okay. statistically, men with a Gleason 6 have less than 6% risk that it's going to spread. The BRAC2, on the other hand, changes that equation and so we're going to have to watch you very very carefully okay and so well lifetime risk is 20 to 60 percent but not death correct okay he's already got the tumor he's a hundred percent tumor right. Right. <laughs> all right so he's already a hundred percent there what we're looking for though is what is the risk of it becoming a rapidly growing tumor and that's one i don't have any statistics on mm -hmm. Uh, so that's one that, you know, you're going to have to watch this closely. And I would say, rather than a series of biopsies, I'd want them to do a series of MRIs yeah. of your prostate and watch that thing very closely. If it starts to grow, they need to get pretty aggressive with it. If it turns out to be an indolent tumor, you know, as a non-BRAC2 would be expected to be, then, you know, you're home free. But 
it, it is going to take some watching, and I would I would encourage you to encourage your physicians to stay on top of it with serial MRIs. And in the meantime, I'm sure you're doing some lifestyle changes to prevent its growth, in, especially in diet, nutrition, yeah. exercise. Yeah. Absolutely. And, if- and Fred Hutz is right on top of this, and we're doing another multiparametric MRI in about a Good. week. So we are, oh, okay. they, they, they uh, you know, they're staying right on top of this. And your information, Jerry, is just excellent and so so right on from what I have been uh, learning on my own. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your that brain of yours. My God, what you, how could your head be big enough to hold all that information? Yeah, it isn't. It isn't. So basically, Jerry, what you said was that he could go back on testosterone. He does not need he probably to stop. Could. Yeah. On the other hand, if I were his oncologist, I'd probably be nervous. Just because we well, don't have we don't have st- we, our statistics with non BRAC two people would say testosterone is going to make no difference for him with right. or without it. Right. But the the data with the BRAC two is so sparse. Well, but then is it the gene or is it testosterone? Well, right. and and we probably the gene and and actually the scary thing about the BRAC T or the BRAC BRAC two tumors. Sorry, I just got off a plane last night and my tongue is not working yet this morning. Uh, no. uh, the problem with them is a, an outsized proportion of them are androgen insensitive. Mm. They spread fast yeah. and grow with or without testosterone. Mm-hmm. And those are the scariest tumors. Mm. And so that's why I, I'm saying watch it really close because it may well be that this is an androgen insensitive. So a question for you. Uh, with what they did or didn't do. When they did your biopsy and they found a, a tiny bit of tumor in one core, did they formalin fix that or were they able to send it for genetic evaluation on that one little bit they found? That I don't know. I have to go back and look at the path report to see if they did anything with that. Okay. Because, see, if they fixed it with formalin, so that they could take their time looking at it, that's going to destroy the genetic material. If it was, mm-hmm. if if they were able to do a fresh sample, so they could actually take that little piece that had cancer in it, and do a genetic study, a genome on the tumor itself, that will give you real information about the risks that you're in for the future. Because there are now a whole host of genetic markers that say this tumor is a nasty actor and this one is not. Okay, and mm-hmm. so and so, what? Whenever I mean, if I ever have a prostate cancer, I want them to take and do a genome analysis on the tumor itself, because that's what really matters. The rest of it, we're looking at the odds. You know, I give you statistics. Well, the st- statistics are what we see when we look at twenty thousand people. But when we're dealing with one person, you know, statistics apply to populations, not to not to individuals. And what I want to know is what is your particular tumor's risk factor, not what are the statistics mm-hmm. of the tumor's risk factors. Okay, and the only way to know that is to evaluate the tumor itself. Very interesting. Thank you. Right. Okay, thank you, Ron. Okay, now one or one or two other things, real fast. I'm sorry. Uh, 
I know he's about to go to the next caller, but actually th- to a break. Okay, <laughs> but this is well. Okay, we'll take the break. Hang on the line. I'm going to tell you the other things I'm going to recommend for you when we get back. Call in your Thank questions you. now for Leading Edge Medicine, Doctor Umat, Doctor Mixon in studio. Uh, the number to call, 800-465-8770, 800-465-8770. Leading Edge Medicine will return in just a few moments. Leading Edge Medicine. Listen to past programs by going to lmclinic.com. Call in now at 1-800-465-8770. That's 800-465-8770. Pete Talbot here again for a good friend of mine, Dr. Michael Gilbert of Northwest Vision Institute in Bellevue and Kirkland. My wife Vicki and I have been seeing him for over 20 years, but most importantly, Michael and his entire medical team are simply amazing, offering what virtually no other clinics offer, an advanced ocular exam. Honestly, it's like Dr. McCoy on Star Trek compared to the typical eye exam you're used to. For nearly 40 years now, I've been researching and interviewing physicians throughout the country, and I can tell you whether it's LASIK, RLE, refractive cataract surgery, retina, or dry eye problems, without question, Dr. Gilbert and all the doctors at Northwest Vision Institute are some of the most advanced in the Pacific Northwest. To schedule your advanced ocular exam, go to nwvision.com, nwvision.com, or you can call 425-450-2020, 425-450-2020. Welcome back to Leading Edge Medicine, brought to you by Longevity Medical Clinics. Dr. Mixon, Dr. Umat in studio, taking your calls at 800-465-8770. Continuing, I think we still have Ron on the phone. Uh, Dr. Mixon, you wanted to talk to him a little bit more about this issue. That's right. Ron, you still there? I'm here. Okay. Yes, I am. So let me tell you what we, you know, what Samara and I were visiting during the break of this, putting our heads together, um, what we came up with. Now, the things I'm going to tell you are based on studies on prostate cancers. But again, the BRAC2 is a kind of a special case. And so I don't know that the things I'm going to tell you next will apply to your tumor. They apply to prostate cancers writ large. Right. But. Again, nobody that I know of has done these studies specifically on BRAC2 two positive tumors. Hmm. BRCA. BRAC. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, the a couple of things. First, I would like to see you on a, a little bit of a, a progesterone cream. Applied to your face and neck each day. Jerry, I have a question about that. Yeah. Transdermal or uh, sublingual? Um, Is there a difference? Well, again, depends on the levels we're trying to achieve. And, you know, and I can get most guys up at two or three with the transdermal, but it'll also make him prettier. Okay, but the sublingual will also get it there. That's true, (laughs) but it won't make him prettier. But uh, they'll sleep better. That's true. Okay. So... 
difference of opinion between two doctors here. Routes of administration. Routes of administration. <laughs> Same drug. The question is, do you give it to you sublingually and let you absorb it through the mucous well, you know membrane what? of your tongue? I would rather they come to Bella Medica to become prettier and then, <laughs> and then they sleep better with the sublingual. There you go. All right. See. And I put, I put mine on transdermally on the face and neck. But the idea is to get your blood level of progesterone up at least to about two micrograms. Uh, the, the point is that progesterone affects the, the estrogen alpha receptors in your prostate to prevent them from trying to immortalize the cells of your prostate. And, and we think that it's, it's that immortalization triggered by the estrogen receptors um, that may well predispose you to getting a prostate cancer. Uh, the other thing we would do is put you on some of the polyphenol-rich fruits, veggies, and teas. Green tea, uh, the EGCG in green tea, uh, inhibits the growth of most prostate cancers to a significant degree. Mm. Pomegranate juice inhibits the growth of prostate cancers. Lycopene in, in processed tomato products, uh, you know, like tomato paste and so on. Uh, slows the growth of prostate cancers. Um, resveratrol? Oh, resveratrol supplementation, yeah. I'd get you up on about a 1,000 milligrams of resveratrol a day. You know, personally, because of my age and a family history, I take uh, three 350-milligram resveratrol capsules per day, mm-hmm. uh, two in the morning and one at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our men's formula has DIM in it? Diendoleomethane. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so um, there's a series of things we can give you that will alter your production of, of cancer-promoting uh, products. There's also a prescription I'd like to see you on, and that is Tadalafil. Um, and even if it's just five milligrams a day, uh, Tadalafil is pers- written as an ED drug. But we know that we have studies showing that it cuts the incidence of prostate cancer by 50%. And so, uh, and it, it slows the growth and spread of a wide variety of solid tumors, including prostate cancers. Uh, so since you've got a tumor and our, our process here is to try to stop its growth or inhibit its growth as much as we can, uh, Tadalafil uh, does this for prostate and breast and you know, a wide variety of, of uh, solid tumors. So those would be our recommendations in addition to, of course, following super, super closely with your, with your oncologist about this. Appreciate it immensely. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome, sir. Thank you, Ron. Good luck. And that opens up a line for you if you're listening today, 800-465-8770. We have Ken, who's been holding on for a while. Mercer Island. Ken has another question having to do with prostate health. Good morning, Ken. Hello, Ken. Good morning. Uh, boy, I wish I was on before the guy before me because he makes me sound really uninformed. Because <laughs> uh, I'm just at kind of the front end of this process. Uh-huh. I had a, an elevated PS, uh, an elevated PSA, so they sent me in for a, uh, an MRI, and they found uh, a single, what he called, well-defined tumor 
Okay. So I'm due to go due to go in for a biopsy, but frankly, I've, I've heard all kinds of horror stories about uh, infections resulting from uh, the biopsy in, in yeah uh, pro- for prostate. Is there anything I can do to better my risks uh, in that regard? Okay. Well, first of all. I, I like the way they're approaching you. Yeah. First, they did the MRI. They, mm-hmm. they identified a lesion. The good news is it's a well-defined nodule, so it's not one of these raggedy, looks like it's spreading sort of things. It's, you know, it, it's got a, a, a firm edge. That's a good sign. Okay. Um, let me give you some reassuring statistics here, just for fun, okay? And these are drawn from what I refer to as the Detroit study. This is actually done way back in the 90s, 97, 98 sort of region. Um, in the city of Detroit, they, for a couple of years, took every single male of any age who died. And when they did their autopsies, these were mostly suicides, gunshot wounds, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, they did a close, a careful stepped section of their prostate. And what they found was kind of fascinating. Uh, you might want to put your phone on mute because you got a lot of background yeah, yeah, noise. Yeah. Sounds like you got wind or something yeah. going on there. Okay. Yeah, that's better. Thank you. Um, the the uh, people in their 20s had about a 20% of these young men, if you look closely at their prostates, you could find a little nidus of prostate cancer mm. in 20% of men in their 20s. Mm. And in their 30s, it was 30%. In their 40s, it was 40%. In their 50s, it was 50%. And it seemed to go up about 10% per decade, about 1% per year. And by the time you got guys in their 70s, 70% of them had a prostate cancer if you looked closely enough at their prostates. And yet, only about 8% of men will have a clinically significant prostate cancer of any kind. And what that tells us is most of us guys development of some degree of prostate cancer at some point in our life is almost a given. Okay, Mm. But our immune systems suppress the vast majority of it. And that's where those studies come from. That when, if you find men, when they do a prostate biopsy, if they are Gleason 6 or 7, which is a, a fairly early form of prostate cancer, if you just watch them, 93% of them will never grow. Their immune systems will keep it in check, and they'll never have a problem. So even when we do find a a guy like you who's got a new prostate cancer, if when they biopsy it, they say, no, this is a Gleason 7, 93% of the time it will never give you any grief. That's fascinating because prostate cancer in men is far more common than we would have believed you know, if you just take every man and step section them, it's about 10% per decade. <laughs> okay. Uh, and yet only eight out of 10 men in the whole world will get a clinically significant prostate cancer. I find that very reassuring. Mm-hmm. So especially when you get somebody like you who has a, you know, a, a finding like this, uh, we've probably got a pretty good chance it's not going to do you any harm. It used to be we overtreated prostate cancers. 
every man who had a prostate cancer got radiation and surgery and taken off testosterone and we made their lives miserable and you know the suicide rate tripled because these poor guys had no no androgens in their brains uh, their lifestyle we, we destroyed their lifestyle so we destroyed their lives really treating a tumor that would never bother them hmm. And so in the last 10 years or so, you know, the urologists are getting a lot smarter about this. They're now saying, oh, okay, if it's an early tumor, let's not over-treat it. Let's watch it closely. Let's aggressively treat the ones that need aggressive treatment. But not all cancers are the same, okay? Now, the guy who called just before you, he is a special case. He's got a genetic predisposition. It gives him up to a 60% of having a prostate cancer in his life, and now indeed he has one. But his cancer may not act the way normal prostate cancers do, <laughs> Okay, if there's such a thing as a normal cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, you know, don't get terribly paranoid about this as yet. You know, I like the fact that they're, they're now as for your concern about the biopsy, you're right. <clears throat> When you're doing prostate biopsies through the rectum, the bowel, the the colon, the rectum is filled with bacteria. It is not a sterile place. And they're going to take a needle, a a large bore needle, not a tiny thing, a large core needle, and they're going to stick it through the rectum down into the prostate and suck out a piece of your prostate tissue. And... The nice thing is that if they can do the studies that they've done and they can isolate the lesion, they're going after that particular lesion. So the number of holes that they have to punch through your bowel into the prostate are small. This is different from the guys who got just the the 12 random punches where they just punch 12 holes all over the prostate and they say, say, well, if there's something there's anywhere, we want to find it. Okay, so they've done the right thing. They've isolated a lesion they're going for. That should minimize the number of punctures they have to do. Because every time they punch a hole through that nasty bug-filled bowel into your sterile prostate, there's a risk. Mm. And they're carrying bugs in there with it. And there have been some really nasty infections as a result. The other problem is once in a while they'll hit a blood vessel. They hit a little arterial and you'll bleed into the prostate, which could cause problems too. So it's not a totally benign process. There are complications. The good news is they're pretty aggressive at trying to clean up that rectum as much as they possibly can. Uh, so, you know, they will use iodine solutions and all sorts of stuff that are fairly toxic that will kill as much of the bad bugs as they possibly can before they do the biopsies. But it is impossible to t- really totally sterilize the rectum. <laughs> it's just, you know. So there is a modest risk of infection, and they'll watch you closely. And if you run a fever or you have any, you know, increasing pain or you have any evidence of infection, they'll jump on it aggressively with wide-spectrum antibiotics and, you know, hopefully bring it under control quickly. Mm. Um, 
So, you know, don't get too paranoid. The, these guys do a lot of these biopsies. They're mm-hmm. pretty darn good at what they do. Mm-hmm. They are specialists. They're not amateurs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. no, I mean, you're doing the right thing. And like Dr. Mixon mentioned, I'm really impressed. And we have seen that transition from a few years yes. ago to now where they are definitely doing the MRI first, which is the right thing to do. That's right. Once you isolate the lesion, then the risk of um, causing problems with the biopsy are minimized. Now they're going for the lesion and they want to accurately identify what is the Gleason score in that lesion so that they can then talk to you about management. So hopefully things will be good and you can be watched. And if not, then, you know, they'll present you with what your options are. But a lot of times these days, the options and treatments for prostate cancer are very good and life expectancy is not compromised unless if it's spread and metastasized. Right. Yeah, when you get Gleason 8, 9, 10, you've you got a problem. Yeah. But if you're a Gleason 6, 7, you know, we're, we're in pretty good, darn good shape these right, days. Right, right, right. And we can come back and talk a little bit about those lifestyle issues we just mentioned again. Yep. Okay, Ken, hold on. I think they're going to talk to you more about this as Leading Edge Medicine continues in moments. In studio, Dr. Mixon and Dr. Umat taking your questions at 800-465-8770. Leading Edge Medicine will continue in just a few moments. Leading Edge Medicine. Leading Edge Medicine. Don't believe the lie that you have to fall apart at the normal rate and see what your options really are at lmclinic.com. Stay tuned for more. Longevity Medical Clinic is happy to announce that Longevity Development, the business and marketing arm of Longevity Medical Clinic, has entered a strategic management relationship with Paramount Pharmacy. As a medical clinic, we cannot tell anyone where they have to go to fill their compounded prescriptions. We can only make suggestions. But for the last two years, we have referred our patients to Paramount Pharmacy for three key reasons. Excellent quality control excellent pricing, and excellent customer service. And now, due to our new management oversight and relationship, Longevity Development and Paramount are actually working together to better serve our patients. A team approach to better health care. It truly can make a difference. And now, to celebrate and to convince you that we truly feel we can better serve your health needs while saving you money, Paramount has agreed to make an offer to all new patients willing to give Paramount a try. On your first prescription only, Paramount is offering you a 90-day supply for their 30-day cost. That's right, a 90-day prescription for the 30-day cost. All you need to do is call Paramount at 425-251-1660. It's as simple as that. Call 425-251-1660. Now the race is on and here comes pride in the backstretch. Party going to the inside. My tears are holding back there. I'm trying not to fall. My heart's yeah, out of the running to love scratch for another saint. Welcome back to Leading Edge Medicine, brought to you by Longevity Medical Clinic. Dr. Mixon, Dr. Umat, taking your questions at 800-465-8770. I think they want to talk to Ken in Mercer Island just a little bit more. Yep. Although, 
that music that you've put together for us. And thank you, by the way. You bet. Yeah, I'm going to have you do some others. Yeah, give me, keep it coming. I want some March music next. <laughs> some March yeah. music. Okay, okay. I have a suggestion. Okay. You should also do something seasonally so that it changes as the seasons That's right. change. Okay. But see, I was running the other day. Yeah. And I run to Sousa. Uh, <laughs> nothing like a Sousa march to make you want to run. We want them to listen to the show. We don't want them running around when your show is on, Jerry. I know, but I want them to wake up, damn it. <laughs> they are awake. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, yeah, okay, where were we? Oh, yes. Yeah, and then prostate cancer. <laughs> prostate cancer. Yeah. And go back through our polyphenols and... Yeah, I mean, I remember so exercise is important, Ken, with the diagnosis of cancer. Oh, God, remember really how important yeah. it is for you to make time to take care of yourself. Yeah, and let me let me put a finer point on that, okay? And this should apply to the previous caller, too, so hopefully he's still listening. The thing that keeps prostate and breast cancer and colon cancer and all of these cancers under control is our immune system. Our immune system is designed to recognize things that aren't supposed to be in our body and kill them. And so they kill bacteria, they kill viruses, and they kill cancers. When we undergo a mutation, and most of us undergo mutations in our tissues frequently, mm-hmm. normal people have regular mutations. We, got, we have got something in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 trillion cells all of which are reproducing, dying and turning over in our bodies on a continued basis. you got 20 trillion things happening. Something's going wrong with some percentage of that 20 trillion. (laughs) I mean, it's true. Human birth itself is a miracle. (laughs) It is. And so we develop abnormal cells, mutated cells on a regular basis. And a small most of those mutated cells are not viable and they'll die on their own. Others are killed by our immune system. Malignancies want to grow and reproduce rapidly, and our immune system job is to find and kill those cancers before they kill us. That's why the vast majority of prostate cancers don't kill us. That's why only 8% of us even get one, and only 6% of those are nasty actors and get away from our immune system. So anything you can do to boost your immune system is going to help to kill your cancer, or at least to keep it under control. Now, this show that I just did for Public TV, the underlying thesis of that is that we have two warring different tissues in our body. We have fat, which is an active destructive gland. Fat cells produce more than 80 different peptides, enzymes, hormones, cytokines, and immune factors that actually promote the growth of cancers and promote our our brain cells to die and to cause our arteries to clog up. Working muscle, on the other hand, I used to say had more than 100. The count is now up to 300 different enzymes, peptides, Pro-growth, pro-healing, anti-cancer products are produced and released into our bloodstream by working muscle. Not indolent muscle, muscle as it works. Mm -hmm. That's why when a woman gets a breast cancer, if she will then take up an exercise program, she enhances her survival by 25%. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, the pro-immune response triggered just by exercise cuts her risk of dying by 25%. Okay, that's dramatic. Now, I don't have the numbers for prostate cancer, but this general process, working muscle, helps to kill cancers, period. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you, get rid of as much fat as you can, get on a weight loss diet if you're overweight, Mm -hmm. and get on some muscle building work. Yeah, and actually Dr. Longo has written extensively about fasting for suppressing cancer cells. Yes. And so get on an intermittent fasting program, do his prolonged fasting mimicking diet, (coughs) uh, do whatever you can, but this is one important thing. And then there are others. Who is that that reference, Dr. Walter, V-A-L-T-O-R, Longo, L-O-N-G-O. <clears throat> okay, there's also studies on, Thank you. on green tea catechins, the, uh, specifically with prostate cancer. Green tea catechins help kill prostate cancers. Uh, there was a, a, a delightful study in which they, they looked at a bunch of guys who had newly diagnosed prostate cancer. They put half of them on high-dose green tea catechins, the ECGC, and they they kept them on their high-dose uh, catechins for three months, and then everybody had a radical prostatectomy. They went through and took out the entire prostate and looked at it surgically. And what they found was the guys that took the high-dose green tea catechins had one-third smaller prostate cancers mm-hmm. after just two months mm-hmm. on the catechins. So... You know, the, the green tea is is now your new beverage of choice. Mm. <laughs> All right. And I'd love to see you drinking four or five cups a day. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like to drink that much green tea, open the tea bags and sprinkle it in your food. Put it in your soup. Put it in your, your, your casseroles. Uh, sprinkle it in your salads and make it a crunchy. Mm-hmm. Your body doesn't know if you steep and get the catechins out from with hot water and then drink it or if you just eat the whole leaf. Mm. doesn't matter. So get at least five big doses of green tea a day into your, into your system somehow. Mm-hmm. All right? Um, pomegranate juice uh, is, is a big, and if you like to eat pomegranates, the fiber will do good things for your gut anyway. Right. Um, Resveratrol. Oh, yes. My, my biggie, I take three 350 milligram resveratrol capsules per day, two in the morning, one every evening. Because uh, I've got a nasty family history of cancer on both sides of my family. Mm. You know, my mother had both breast and colon fa- cancer, and my father had prostate cancer. Mm. <laughs> so, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, lycopene. Yeah, lycopene is kind of interesting. When we do studies, study on just isolated lycopene, it didn't, didn't help the cancer. But lycopene-containing foods, mm-hmm. such as tomato paste and so on, do help. So apparently there's something else in those lycopene containing foods that probably works with the lycopene as a right. cofactor. Mm-hmm. So if you look at studies on just lycopene, it doesn't help the cancer. But if you look at lycopene containing foods such as tomato paste, they do help the cancer. Right. And then DIM, if you're looking for a supplement, something with DIM. Yes. Uh, will I handle all yeah. thing. And then I would also suggest avoiding uh, charred and burned meat. Absolutely. No barbecue. No barbecue for you. 
Okay. Okay, Ken. Does that give you some help, Ken? Very reassuring. Other than the no barbecue, that's that's very reassuring. <laughs> hard this time of year. I know. I know. It is. Uh, Thank hard. you very much for your time, doctors. You're welcome. Sir. Yeah, good Thank luck. You. Yeah, and okay. stay in touch. Let us know how things go. Okay, that opens up a line at 800-465-8770. Another question kind of, I think, spawned by an earlier discussion about progesterone cream. We have Tom in Chehalis. Hi, Tom. What's your question for the doctor? Hello, Tom. Good morning. Um, my question is uh, progesterone cream utilized as a anti-cancer, as, mm-hmm. as far as anti-prostate cancer, where you uh, apply it to your, um, down, for men, down in their mm-hmm. testicles. And uh, I didn't know if you had talked about that previously. I brought that up years ago, and I remember yeah. that you had a compounded pounding pharmacist on, mm-hmm. and they were looking into that. But I've been doing that for years, and I was just okay. wondering what you thought about that. And one other thing I wanted to add to that is that uh, just some of the consideration when you talk about these these needle biopsies, a concept of what is called, which I don't would not go with, is, is called track. Mm-hmm. and as much as you bring out cancer cells into the bloodstream that would be become more active where they would normally be indolent contained within the prostate. Yeah, yeah that concept has been around for, golly, decades. Um, I have not seen any studies showing that the process of doing the biopsy increases you know, mal- uh, malignant spread. Mm. So... I, I understand the concept. You know, I certainly concede that it would be at least a theoretical possibility, but I haven't seen any evidence to support that it actually happens, at least not in a clinically significant percentage of cases. So, yeah, the the track seating is, you know, like I said, it's something I, I've heard about since I was a resident back in the 1960s. <laughs> I can't help you with it in the real world. Um, as far as you know, the, the rest of your comments, I don't know. Um, the studies show that, that progesterone does alter the estrogen alpha receptors in the prostate at 127 different loci. So it's a, it's a very active compound on estrogen receptors in the prostate. And those estrogen alpha receptors are involved in trying to immortalize the cells of the prostate. And so, in, you know, the, the theory is that if you can keep your progesterone levels in a reasonable level for men instead of essentially non-existent by 60, um, you should be able to minimize the growth of the prostate mm. and help prevent prostatic hypertrophy. <clears throat> mm. uh, I mean, we also know, Jerry, that uh, progesterone of all the three creams is the hardest to absorb through skin. Yes. And therefore, if he's applying it to genitals where it is very vascular, he's likely to get a higher value. Yes, he is. And he's likely to absorb it better. Right. But my question is, <clears throat> what are your blood levels? Yeah. You know, um <laughs> And so, yes, what are your blood levels running for your progesterone? Because you're putting it on your genitals. The skin is very thin. It has a very good blood supply. You should absorb it very well. But, you know, it's not what you put on the skin. It's what gets into your blood that counts. And that's what we're we're interested in. Well, 
I'm just I'm okay. I haven't measured them the progesterone levels, but okay. what I'm utilizing it for is more as a to decrease, which I don't have a high level of my PSA, so I, I'm using it in that respect. Okay, but see, PSA so I use that as my I use that as my marker. The PSA mm. stays low. My one my okay. PSA is one point three. So okay, but see, yeah. the PSA is tells me how much active metabolic process is going on in your prostate. Uh, it doesn't tell me what your progesterone level is. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, see, I check mine mm-hmm. every time I get my blood work. I get my PS. I get my both my PSA and my progesterone checked. Right. Uh, because progesterone is kind of a <clears throat> it's a double edged sword, um, like most things in okay. medicine. If your progesterone is in a good level, good blood level, you'll sleep well. You tolerate stress, you tolerate anxiety better, so it's, it has a big impact in your brain. Yeah. Uh, it helps you to sleep better at night. Um, it, at high levels, and why the reason I put it on my face and skin is I like to be pretty. Uh, <laughs> I feel pretty, I'm so pretty, I feel pretty and witty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because it it makes your skin elastic and smooths out wrinkles, mm-hmm. and so you don't need so much Botox in your life. And so, you know, like, uh, so I keep it on my face and neck uh, for cosmetic reasons. In addition to the fact that it lets me sleep better at night, tolerate stress and anxiety, and helps keep my prostate from getting bigger. Right. But you were also saying you get that too high. But if you get it too high, it'll damp down your libido. Mm-hmm. And you'll you'll so. suddenly find that your interest in sex goes away. Right. And so the trick is to keep a level that will give you the things you want. Right. And not trigger the things the side you effects. don't want. Right. Remember, it's a GABA mimetic, so it can and it cause depression. It can cause mood changes. It can cause feelings of sadness and lethargy. It can cause bloating and weight gain. And, and can stimulate appetite, too. And, and also cause constipation because it slows the bowel down. Right. So, you know, like we're back What's to Dr. Mixon's we're back to Dr. Mixon's first rule of medicine. Anything strong enough to help yeah. is strong enough to hurt. There's a downside to every decision we make in medicine. Yeah. You know, you say what is the level? It varies from individual to individual. Uh I have had levels as high as 6 without getting overly moody. <laughs> I will forbid my doctors from doing that for men. <laughs> Uh, most of the time, I try to keep mine between about two and three. Yeah. And so about two is where is my is our tolerance in the clinics. Yeah. Once they start getting higher, then you know we then have to kind of balance other things, and That's we right. do see the mood changes. Weight is an important issue. People find it, it very difficult to maintain their weight. And progesterone so. can give you the munchies. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so if if you're finding the, an overwhelming urge to snack, and you're finding you're and gaining weight, for then those people who like high. who do who like carbohydrates. Particularly potatoes, there is this thing about French fries. They just taste delicious when your progesterone level is high and you crave them more. You should notice that next time you're at six. See, and, and, and every woman knows this because her progesterone peaks yes. about two weeks before her period. Yes. And then it plummets. Yes. And during that peak, they get the munchies, and then when it plummets, they get bitchy. 
Okay, well, thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Tom. That opens up a line for you at 800-465-8770. It's Leading Edge Medicine, brought to you by Longevity Medical Clinic. We'll return with uh, Jesse in Tacoma. More questions about prostate health as Leading Edge Medicine continues in just a moment. It's the French fry. Medicine. Leading Edge Medicine. For the first time in history, you can choose how to age. Call with your question at 1 800 465 8770. That's 800 465 8770. Is chronic pain beginning to make your everyday life a challenge? Then consider the only doctor with over 30 years of experience in pain medicine techniques, including stem cell therapy. That's Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, with Eastside Pain and Regenerative Medicine. Here's what a satisfied patient had to say. Yeah, I started about like a year and a half ago. Uh, I started having some sharp pain in my left hip. It's getting tough to climb upstairs, uh, tough to play with the kids. Everybody was kind of pointing towards the same thing of, you know, you had to get a hip replacement. And Dr. Nelson's great about saying, hey, you know, there's there's different types of medicine out there that we can help fix this without surgery. Six to eight weeks later, you start to realize like, oh, I, I can climb a stair. And it was really actually kind of great after that eight week mark, like oh, I can start doing things. So definitely see the results pretty quick. Don't let pain take control of your life. Consider stem cell therapy with Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, 425-823-4000. That's 425-823-4000. Or you can find Dr. Daniel Nelson online at DanielNelsonMD.com. Living on love. Hey, before we get back to your calls at 800-465-8770, some other numbers we want to talk about, and that is booking your appointment for a free health analysis appointment at Longevity Medical Clinic. It includes two free tests. Uh, tell us about those tests, one of you doctors. Um, sure, would be happy to. But as I've been saying for the last many months now, those tests are just the tip of the iceberg. Don't come for those tests. Come for what comes after those tests. Well, but the and tests are introduction. Yeah, I know, I know. We'll talk more about that off radio. But the tests are easy. The first is a blood test, and it tells us about your glycosylated hemoglobin, which basically tells us your risk for diabetes. And we're not just looking at diabetes risk. We're looking at what harm that extra sugar is doing to all of you, your brain, your eyes, your skin, your hair, your kidneys, your bones, your cancer risk and inflammation markers. So that one value of whatever it is, is really a window into what else is going on in your body. But, you know, for me, yeah, my big adage is if the brain don't work, the rest, the rest don't, don't matter. matter. I know. And if you're if your A1C is under 5.2. Yeah. Uh, you have half as many brain cells dying each year correct as if it's at 5.7 mm-hmm. you know and 5.7 is still within the normal range it you're not is. diabetic mm-hmm. so long before you become a diabetic you double the rate at which you're losing brain volume mm-hmm. and i think that's a bad you know a bad sign so exactly so that glycolysated hemoglobin as a indicator of how fast you're losing brain volume uh is an important one for me. It really is. I mean, now, you know, we want uh, we want you to live long and we want you to live healthy. And um, at 
85, one in two will have dementia. And that's a huge deal. So if you want to prevent cognitive decline, which really begins very early, decades earlier than you get the mm-hmm. diagnosis, uh, then it is possible for you to initiate changes. Right. And then we are at the forefront of that. We want to prevent all of those changes for you. So um, that's one. And uh, I, the second one is the in-body where you stand on a machine and we look at muscle versus fat ratio. And that, again, is a marker of overall health and wellness and progression. Remember, loss of muscle mass is a given as we get older. So sarcopenia is a medical diagnosis, which means loss of muscle mass. And muscle, as we've been mentioning throughout this hour, is the key to health. Uh, Muscle is the currency of aging, as we say in our clinic. And if you want to age well and age healthy, you want to have healthy working muscle. But also you want to get as little fat as possible. Mm -hmm. And that is that muscle to fat ratio. That's important because both muscle and fat need people need to reimagine these. These are not cosmetic. They are not. Okay. I don't care about what your body fat looks like. It's the fact that that body fat is an active, destructive gland that is trying to kill your brain and your joints and your heart and your kidneys and your eyes, while working muscle is trying to heal and repair all that and actually help you to grow new brain cells. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, neither we are interested in the way your muscle or your fat looks. What we're interested in is the fact that they are effectively two warring forces within your body. One of them trying to cripple and kill you, and the other trying to make you strong, fast, lean, smart, and sexy. And we need those two to shift the balance towards healing and repair as much as possible and decrease the destructive aspects. That's right. And in your youth, your body did that for you naturally. But as you're getting older, your body's not capable of supporting those systems the way we want them supported. So we understand that and we help the underlying physiology by boosting your hormonal, your nutritional, your foundational support to make tomorrow's better than today. Right. And so if you come in, you give us your medical history so we know what life has done to you up till that day and you let us do these two tests this will give us a good handle on your general risk factors if you look like you're at high risk of bad things happening to you in the future then they're going to offer you another set of tests and the second set of tests you will pay for the first ones were free but if you need the full panel that's about 600 bucks, $595, I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. So about 600 bucks. But that'll get you a 70 page or so printout that's gonna look at things your family doctor has never looked at in his life. And it's going to give us a much more detailed profile of what's coming down the track at you in the future. Right. Remember, normal is a bell-shaped curve, as Dr. Mixon has taught many, many times. And we want to not just see where you are in that bell-shaped curve, but we want to enhance you so that you're at optimal, not just normal. Because normal's great when you're 18. Yeah. By 50, normal stinks. Mm-hmm. And it gets worse as you get older. Mm-hmm. So we aren't looking for, op- for normal. We're looking for the optimal. What is the best you could function? And so that bigger panel is going to give us a lot more detail about where you are in your aging process and what we need to do to optimize your aging. Right. Then we give you a choice. Do you want to continue sliding downhill 
and let the things happen that are happening, or do you want to address it? And let me give a a little pitch here. Just the cost of this clinic, all in. Our costs, the laboratory, the the supplements you're likely to be on, the prescription drugs you're going to take, everything put together is about the same as the average uh, car payment. About the same as the average person's car payment. And so I would think of it this way, because people say, well, I'm not sure I can afford it. Well, if you can afford an automobile, you can afford this. And it's a matter of priorities. Mm-hmm. Because which is more important to you, your car or your body? If your car is more important to you than your brain and your body, then get your car and slide downhill. If, on the other hand, your brain and body are more important to you than your car, then I'd suggest you come to Longevity Medical Clinic, drive an older car, and get a better body. Mm. But it's up to you. I'm not your daddy. I'm not your boss. I offer you help. But if you don't want it, you don't want it. And if you do want it, we're delighted to help. Okay, call and make that appointment right now for those free tests. 866-86-YOUNG. 866-86-YOUNG. Or you can also book them online at lmclinic.com. That's lmclinic.com. Back with more of Leading Edge Medicine. Brought to you by Longevity Medical Clinic in just a few moments. Hang there.